Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm speaking this morning using the subject title, Flip the Switch. Flip the switch. Now, the book of Ephesians was written from a point view, point of view or perspective of a finished, completed work. Paul was trying to let this church know that everything concerning their salvation and redemption was already completely done. Now, the greeting he used here is very significant. So you and I can read it, and it may not really strike us, but for Paul, it was a very personal thing. He said, grace and peace be to you. What Paul was saying is, given his profile, the father Paul was a legal doctor who was going about throwing Christians in jail trying to kill the church, if you will. And it was in this context that he himself was arrested. A man who deserved hell and death received love and blessing. And so for him, the issue of grace was a personal thing. He knew what he deserved, but he knew what he got. So from that perspective, it was right into the official. says, listen, the grace God has given me, I'm giving it back to you. Grace be unto you and peace. Now, verse 3. Blessed be the Lord, no, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He is saying to them with authority that this church, the efficient church, and by extension, me and you today, have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. It's a done deal. It's not about to be done. It's already done. Now, we mentioned this briefly when we had our fast a week or two ago, but I want to really delve into it and go a little further this morning. So, let me use this illustration. Because I believe when we really truly get it, it will change us. David, turn, turn the lights off for a minute. Flip the switches off. Thank you. Keep on doing it. <laughs> All he had to do was do what? Flip the switch. And everything went dark. Turn it back on. Thank you. So flip back the switches. And what happened? Lights came on. This is what we have. There is a generating station, a power station that generates power. 
They send power to your houses, to buildings all over the city. Is that correct? So when you come into your house or into a building and you want electricity, what do you need to do? Flip the switch. And when you flip the switch, what happens? Light come on. Now, let me ask you this. Did they manufacture the light when you turn the switch on? No, sir. It's there. It's been there all along. Okay? Do you, would you get a power station to come and turn it on for you? No. Why would they not do that? That's not the part of the agreement. The agreement was they will generate the power, they will send it to your houses, to your buildings, and if you want to use it, you will have to do what? Turn the switch on. That's exactly what God has done for us. He is the power station. And he sent the power to your born again spirits. That's the heavenly place. The born, your born again spirit. God, the source, the power station, sent the power to your born again spirit the moment you became born again. So now if you want to convert what you have from the heavenly realm to the natural manifestation, you have to turn that switch on. God will not do it for us. He has done what he said he will do. He has given all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's, give, he's packaged it and when you go born again, sent it to your house. Just like you go to your houses and turn the switches on and lights come on, that's exact same thing God is expecting for you and I to do with what he has already given us. He is a power station. Your house is the born again spirit. And the switch that you turn on is the faith of the son of God that you employ to be a bridge to bring what's in the heavenly places to the natural manifestation. Now, to show you how important this is, because we hear that these things are real and they are in the realm of the spirit, and for some reason, it almost eludes us, realm of the spirit. What is that? Is that even real? It is real. It is more real than where you are now. Let's go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. It is so real, and, and you need to know it's real. Because when you know and believe it's real, then you can begin to enjoy the reality of it in your natural lives. Yes. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Look at what it says. By faith, we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Hello? The physical world that you and I have come to know, things that we touch and see and feel, the Bible is telling you and I, the physical realm was made by what? Spiritual entity called the word. The spirit made the world. We understand by faith that the walls were framed not by bricks and mortar, physical entities, no, but by the word of God. He spoke 
And the things he spoke came to be. And we can now touch, feel, see, taste, smell it. So that the things that which are seen, that you can see with your eyes now, were not made with things which are visible. Did you get that? The world in which we live in now were not made out of visible, physical things. They were made from spiritual substance. God spoke, and as a result of speaking, it happened. And it's giving you and I the same ability to speak our worlds into existence if we'll do the same things he did. Let's take a little further. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Yeah. The spirit realm is very real. That's why Paul, in that chapter 1 of Ephesians, verses 17, 18, and 19, was telling the Ephesian church that the eyes of their understanding need to be enlightened. Now, is he speaking to blind men? No. He's talking to men and women whose eyes are open, and he says, yet, for your open eyes, they need to be opened. So what is he talking about? And here Matthew chapter, uh, did I say Matthew, uh, Mark or Matthew? Actually, I meant Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. Jesus was speaking. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is he talking to a lot of deaf people? Is he talking to human beings who had no ears? Jesus is speaking to men and women who had ears like this. And yet he said, let him who has ears. Which means he's challenging them to go beyond what the natural ears can hear. To hear something that's only able, the only capable of being heard in the realm of the spirit. So Paul says, our eyes need to be enlightened. Our eyes that are open, that are seen. He said, no, you need to see something beyond the natural. And Jesus said, you need to hear beyond what you normally would hear. Why? Because both of these are intended to teach and show us that there is in fact a real spirit realm that is very real. And things have been made and ready and available in that realm. And you and I need to access it. And there's only one way to do so. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. The spirit realm is very real. 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's start from verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 6 verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, Beware that you do not pass this place. For the sinners are coming down there. How did the man of God know that? Verse 10. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him and was watchful. He was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, Not, no, none of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. 
How does Elisha know that? So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when a servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. How did Elisha know that? Him and his servant were seeing the same things in the natural. The servant was afraid because the city was surrounded. But Elisha said, don't be afraid. Upon what was he basing his confidence not to be afraid? Because he knew something that only his eyes could see in the spirit and not just in the natural. Amen? Verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Now, wait a minute. Is the servant's eyes closed? That's why not closed. And, then, and yet the man of God said, God, open his eyes. In other words, God, open his eyes so he may see in the spirit. Then the Lord opened the eyes of a young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Question. Did he help just get there when he saw? They had been there all along. And I'm trying to get you to understand that even now as we speak, mm-hmm. uh, right now as we speak, there are angels here. Yeah. They are on assignment. Yes. They are waiting to hearken to the voice of the word, Lord, word of God that you speak. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are also angels of death. Whose job and assignment is to carry death words that people are speaking all over the time. So the issue is, you and I must be consciously aware that beyond just here in Lawrenceville, Georgia, there is another world out there, and if you just open your eyes, you will not only see it, you perceive it, and you see what God has done. When Jesus in John chapter 5 was saying, what I see my father do, that's what I'm doing. What, what, was he carrying a mirror around? No. He was merely seen in the spirit, and he will see what his father has done, and he will do the same thing. And God will confirm it. I'm sharing this this morning because it is absolutely when a season of happenings. Amen. 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 We are in a season of happenings. Amen. I'm already getting the reports. People are getting jobs that are stupendous. Things are happening. And I want to make sure every one of you who wants something, desires something, that it's going to happen for you. This is the season. But your eyes must be open, your ears must be attentive. Yes, it's happening. So the spirit realm is real. So then the next question is, why is God doing this? You know, because in the world, we say there are things that are too good to be true. If somebody does overwhelmingly good to you, you say, ah, I wonder what this guy wants. It's too good to be true. So the question then can be asked of God, why? Why are you blessing us? Why did you bless us in advance? Why did you finish the job and bring me in? Why did you not want me to toil like they did in the Old Testament? Why? What is this? What is this deal all about? Why? It's a good question. Why is God, God's motivation? 
What are you after? Paul didn't let that question go lacking. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, he answers it. Let's go there. First, in chapter 1, it tells them that God has already done everything. Chapter 2, it begins to tell them why. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You know, we, we can read on and on. Look at verse 1. And you he made alive. Past tense. It's already done. You are alive. Who were? Past tense. Were? Past tense. Were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 3. Among whom we all once conducted. Past tense. Ourselves in the laws of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Again, past tense. Verse 4. It begins to tell you why. But... Why did God do this? Why is God so bent on blessing you? Why did God make provision for you before you got here? Why is God so, so determined to bless you beyond your imagination? He's rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, it's a love thing, you all. Say it's a love thing. Say it's a love thing. Love will make you do a lot of things you never normally want to do. Even when we were dead in trespasses, verse 5, verse 6, and raised us together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. So the reason God did this is because of his richness in mercy and because of his grace. By grace, you've been, he didn't, there's no other reason on the face of this earth for which he should have done what he did, but because of his mercy that is so rich and because of his grace that is so real. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 10, I will not read it, 1 Peter 4, 10, Peter describes grace as having many facets multi-faceted. Facet there would mean like having many sides. It's like you mine for raw diamond. When you are holding that diamond stone, there are many facets to it. It glitters. When you turn it, you see different sides and different aspects of that stone. Well, Paul, I mean, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, that there are many facets to God's grace. And it's true. It's true. Grace has been defined as God's unmerited favor. But if we just leave it at that, it's not totally complete. It is true. God's grace is done for us. Everything that Paul described, but totally independent of us. In other words, God was not looking for me and you to ask for it before he did it. He forgave me. He made provision for my forgiveness before I could even ask him for it. Independent of me, he blessed me. Before I can ask him, he did it. He accomplished my salvation prior to and independent of me asking to be saved. Deep. He made provision for our salvation before we ever knew we would ever need it. 
Now, I'm going somewhere with that. However, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, we are talking about flipping the switch. Titus 2, 11. Titus 2, 11. Look at what it says. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men. The grace of God has appeared to all men. The grace that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now, this is the bomb I want to drop on you this morning. And that is, grace alone does not save you. Grace makes the provision for your salvation. Prepares it, packages it. It's ready, yelling. Because if grace alone saved you, Titus 2.11 just said that grace of God has brings salvation as a part all men, but all men are not saved. I wanted to sink in before I, before I, I explain thoroughly. Grace makes the provision. Did all the work. It's knocking on your door to deliver the package. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Every, every man has access to this grace. But everybody is not saved. So that means grace alone cannot do it. It cannot do it. Are, are you, have I lost anybody? Does that make a lot of sense? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Yet God is saying, I wish that none will perish, but all shall come to the same knowledge. So everybody is not saved. We know that. This is the great mistake, Dr. Nofiok, Pastor Charles, that the universalists make. Because grace is real. And God has made the provision, has done everything needed for salvation. So they lump everything together, so everybody is saved, everybody's going to go to heaven. That's wrong. Because we know that that's not the case. Now, why am I saying this to you? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 makes it clear. For by grace are we saved through faith. If you are going to flip your switch, you're going to need faith. Faith is the bridge that brings us in the heavenly realms to the natural manifestation. If you need to get born again, you need faith to access that grace that God has made available. Now, this is the amazing thing. Grace alone does not faith save you, neither does faith by itself. To have faith in anything other than what God has already done and provided will be nothing but ritual and legalism. You follow me? There are a lot of you guys here that are in biochemistry, you are nurses, you are pharmacists. I'm, I'm looking at the pharmacists right here in front of me. Praise God. How many of you know, know that we need salt? Salt is good for the, for the human body. What is the chemical composition of salt? Sodium chloride. Ah, ah, you guys are very smart students. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, good. 
So you need sodium in the right quantity and chlorine or chloride in the right quantity. Together, you have salt. And we need it to sustain ourselves. I'll, I'll leave it. Good. What will happen if you take sodium by itself? Insufficient quantity. Or if you take, take chlorine or chloride by itself, insufficient quantity. Notice this. Both are good when they, break, when they come together. But apart from one another, sodium by itself, you swallow enough, will bury you today. Chloride by itself, you eat enough of it, you die. Both, apart from one another, alone from one another, are poisoned. Grace by itself, without the accompanying faith, will lead you into straight, terrible error. Faith by itself, without responding to something God has done, on itself, by itself, will also lead you to what? Error. It will kill you. But what works is grace by faith. That's the sodium chloride together that you need in order to be sustained. Do you, are you hearing this? Yeah. I see all the chemists here now for all of you, pharmacists, the nurses and the pharmacists, and the, uh, your lights are coming on. So it's important you understand the balance. You have to have the grace of God. But in order to access that grace, you have to have faith. Grace makes the provision, but you and I receive, we receive what God has provided by flipping the switch, which means we apply the faith as a response to what God has done. How do you do that? I'm almost done. This is going to be a record service time. How do you flip the switch? How do you, so I know that God has blessed us. Ephesians chapter 1 makes that clear. I know that the spirit realm is real. I know that. I know that uh, grace is the reason for which God makes provision for us. I know that. But I'm also hearing, I'm learning that grace alone will not bring it home. The provision is out there. I'm going to need faith to reel it in, to bring it in. So I have to have faith. So how do I make an application of this? How do I make this application? The application is very simple. Your mouth. Your mouth. Your mouth must agree with what God has already provided. Your mouth must agree with what God has already provided. Now, when I say your mouth, that's being simplistic. Really, you have to believe it. But the believing now is acted out by what you say. You have what you say. Amen. You see, in the world, in the world, seeing is believing. When I see it, I believe it. In the kingdom of God, believing is seeing. When you believe it, it will show up. Huge. Now, let's go to a practical example of, of, of what happens sometimes, and, and then we're going to close. Oh, thank you very much. We're collecting them. You can just bring here today. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Believe in sin. Don't ever wait to see before you believe. 
Believing is sin. And, 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 you, and, and you know you believe because you are saying the things that agree with what, what you believe. Huge. John chapter 11. You know this story. Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He gets to the house. Um, let me see. Okay. He gets to the house. In John eleven twenty three. look at what it says. Jesus said to her, that is Martha, your brother will rise again. That's what Jesus said. Martha's response, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Okay. Let's move a little further here. Uh, Jesus asked the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Jesus says to them, uh, verse 34, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha again, watch what she said. The sister of him who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for I has been dead for four days. What has happened? What is Martha's disposition? This is huge. Unbelief. But even if you gave her a pass mark to say she believed, because she said, she spoke that, I know it will, she would. Look at what, let me show you what she does that we do. She defied the miracle for the last day. Jesus is standing before her. Your brother will rise again. Say, yeah, you are right. It will happen at the resurrection at the last day. In other words, she did not really believe that resurrection was already done. So for me and you, you believe for a miracle. You believe for provision. Whatever you believe for. Are you believing for progressive revelation of that thing? Or are you believing for instantaneous miraculous happening now in the now? If it is true faith, remember, true faith is only responding to what God has already done. So we should not be defining it to tomorrow or next week or next month. We should be looking for it now. Now you can appreciate why Hebrews 11 says, now faith. Not tomorrow faith. Not next week faith. Now faith. Faith is instant. It's now. It's in the realm of now. Why can faith be in the realm of now? Because the work was done already before. So what I'm saying to us is, we flip, okay, good, good example. When David flipped switch, did we anticipate and wait for two weeks for the light to come on? If when he turned the switch on, lights didn't come on, wouldn't you know there's a problem? There is a, an expectation on our part that when you turn that switch, when you get to your house today, you turn the switch, light must come on. Why do we expect any less of God? Why do we expect any less of God? The provision has already been made. God is not going to the factory to make it after you, when you're praying. It's already made. Now, I'm saying this to you and I. We must get to that place of violent faith where we believe it's done, it's ready, and so when you pray, you expect it. Now, 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 now. I'm expecting now, now, now. Not tomorrow. Now, now. Yes. 
Because Hebrews 11 one says, now faith. Not tomorrow faith. Not next week faith. Not next month. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So you live here today and go start flipping your switches. Flip the switch of prosperity. Flip the switch of healing. Flip the switch of blessing. Flip the switch of favor. Whatever you're looking for, open your mouth and turn the switch on and expect a performance. Don't defy the performance. Expect it to happen now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we will leave this place with the understanding of flipping our switches, using our mouth to agree with what you have already done. Therefore, bringing into alignment our situation in the natural to line up with heaven. Heaven has spoken. And on the earth, we say yes. Amen. So be it. And so, Lord, I confer blessings upon your people today. In the name of Jesus, open heavens above them to pour down your blessings, your dew from heaven upon their lives. In the name of Jesus, water them. Joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. We speak it forth. And we agree with Deji. He's not here today. But I agree together with him in prayer. That job will be in the bag before the end of this year. In the name of Jesus. We are speaking it forth. Because we know God has made the provision for it. In the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you guys, as many of you guys who is looking for a change, this is the season. Not tomorrow. Not next week. This is your season of change. This is your season of promotion. This is your season of favor. Go to that office and ask your boss for a raise. And let him know if he doesn't give it, you are living. Because God is opening another. Oh my God. I'm talking to somebody here. In the name of Jesus. Live out what you believe. And watch God move on your behalf. Because if you don't ask, it won't happen. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. In the name of Jesus, this is your season. You are breaking through. On the left and on the right. Everywhere you go, breakthrough is happening. In the name of Jesus, your bodies are being healed. Your pulses are being healed. Your children are behaving. In the name of Jesus, you are a blessed people. And no one can curse you. In Jesus' name.